Good morning. I'm going to pray and get started here. I do have scriptures on the uh, overheads, uh, and so you can follow along. If you do want to follow along, though, on in your Bible or Bible app, we're going to be spending quite a bit of time in Matthew 6, if you want to already get set up there. But I've got a few introductory verses before we get there. Let's go ahead and pray over this uh, this word. Lord, thank you so much for today, for such a wonderful privilege. And Lord, I just ask that you, that nothing gets in the way of what you want to do today. It's the best thing that could happen, Lord, is that you get to have your way in what's pleasing to you today. Pray that you touch those here, that you touch those watching online. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of the message today is The Christian's Account. Well, now, what does that mean? What kind of account are we talking about here? And I want to walk through this a little bit, follow my train of thought here. I want to talk about we as Christians, okay, once we're saved, kind of a then what kind of thing. Because there, depending on what we do and why we do it, there can be a huge impact on the reward that we receive in heaven. Don't all, we don't always touch on that in church. I want to make sure we do touch on that. I know we've, I know we've, we teach that here. I just want to, the Lord's been having, had this on my heart the last couple of weeks and I really want to make sure that this is addressed. I'm going to start off in Revelation 22, verse 12. And I want to start off this, this is the closing, this is the, um, Jesus is wrapping up the book of Revelation. And just a little side note here, sometimes we say the book of Revelations, and that's not correct. The title of the book is the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, is the actual title of, of the book. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ, and at the end of it, he wraps it up by saying, verse 12, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Now, back a while ago, I was teaching a class on Revelation, we hit this verse, and that was, uh, we had to stop the class and have a discussion about this, because this really ran uh, contrary to some some people's theology in the class. And you know what? That's that's okay. When, you have, when you're teaching a class, I know many of you know this already, you're teaching a class, you run into a question, you stop and you deal with it. You walk people through and you take the time, that's what you do. You work through it. So we hit this, and it was like, it's like we hit a pothole. It was like, whoom, suddenly stopped. Because the, some of, some in the class were like, I, like, I can't process this. He's gonna reward according to what we've done, but I thought salvation was by grace and not by works. So we had to work through and work systematically, stop what we were doing and work through the difference of salvation by grace, but reward based on works, what you've done. So right away, I mean, the first verse that comes to mind when we talk about grace is Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. Eight, usually 8 and 9, but also I want to include verse 10. Before I read that, though, I want to lay some groundwork here. When we talk about salvation, salvation is by grace. We, human beings, are flawed creatures, and we have to answer to a perfect God. And that's a problem. In and of ourselves, we can never justify ourselves in front of a perfect God. 
We're flawed beings. And there are a lot of people in our society, that's easy to say, and I'm afraid a lot of people in our churches, and that's harder to say, that are counting on, well, I'm better than other people. My, my case to justify myself before God is I'm better than th- these other people over here. That doesn't work. You cannot stand, just process it logically for a second. You cannot stand before a perfect being and say, well, I'm justifying myself based on another, another flawed person or another group of flawed human beings. Another f- these flawed creatures over here, well, I'm better than them. Isn't that okay? Before a perfect being, that, that doesn't even make sense. It's not even logical. How can you justify yourself in front of a perfect being by comparing yourselves to an other, as a flawed creature to other flawed creatures? So how, how could we ever be saved? That perfect being said, it's on me. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to take your sin on me in, in my perfection. I'm going to take your sin. I'm going to pay for it. And then I'm going to offer that to you, that payment that I made. You can have it. No way that we could ever achieve that. And he does it and hands it to us because he loves us so much. That right there is wonderful news. I could, I could probably stop right there. And that's already, already had a message. That is the most amazing news as, of any news ever is that the perfect God said, I'm not going to leave you guys lost. I'll take on the cost of your sin and I'll just offer it to you. And I'll offer you that righteousness, that justification, all that that you need. I'll offer that to you. But, that does also require, we know when we accept that, it changes our life. It changes our destiny. We, ex- we receive that, and now we are secure on our way to heaven. But it also transforms our life, and we, and we pursue God, and we pursue righteous works, and we pursue good works. If Christianity, if salvation, here's the alternative point of view, that I want to talk about. Yes, we talk about grace, but there are some Christians who say, okay, well, once I'm saved, that's it. It's kind of like a membership. You know, I, okay, I, I entered in this club and then I renew my membership. You know, I go to church once or twice a year or I just kind of do, you know, and I just, I just maintain my membership so that I don't go to hell. And there's no thought to what are you doing with your life? And that's some of what I ran into the discussion in our revelation class was, well, wait a minute, you're acting like heaven's going to be different for some people versus others. You're acting like there's going to be different rewards. And I'm like, yeah, yes, that's exactly what we're, it's exactly what Jesus is saying. It's going to be, heaven's going to be wonderful, but it's, it matters what you do in this life is going to affect the reward you get in heaven. Let's go to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I I was looking for a verse, how do I sum up this concept? And then, of course, I bring this up and it just sums it all up for for me. It does the hard work for me. We're saved... By grace, through faith. It's not works. We can't boast about it. And yet, 
we're made to do good works that God's prepared for us in advance. So we're saved, and yet right away there's this expectation that we are going to do good works and we're going to practice righteousness. So therein is the is the question how you know how do i reconcile okay are are we sure though maybe maybe every christian gets the same reward you know, maybe he's just kind of saying you know reward like a general term and you know okay yeah we're saved and then um we all we got we all go to heaven cuz we are those of us who are saved are going to heaven and then maybe we just all get the same reward maybe maybe it doesn't matter what you do Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay, yeah, we're back to faith. Yeah, okay. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So to come to God in faith, first of all, i got to believe that he actually exists. And i got to believe that he, he does what? He rewards those who earnestly seek him? What about those who don't earnestly seek him? Not rewarded. There must be a difference. If he bothered to say it, there must be a difference to it. And that brings us to Matthew 6, starting in chapter 1. And I gave those previous verses, we're just kind of introducing these ideas. But I want to really, this is where the, the meat of the message is going to be in this, in this, uh, these next two sections. So Matthew chapter 6. I want to lay some uh, context, some groundwork. Right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, right? So in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preaching a sermon. Greatest sermon ever preached. I heard one time about a preacher who uh, announced for several weeks that on so-and-so day, he was going to preach the greatest sermon that had ever been preached. He put it on the signs. He put it in a local newspaper. Some people came just to see, they thought that was a very arrogant statement. They just came to see what he was saying. And what he did, he got up, he, re- he read the Sermon on the Mount, and then he sat back down. <laughs> Greatest sermon ever preached. <laughs> I have not got brave enough to try that yet. But I <laughs> but right in the middle of, of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Wait a sec. Whoa. You know, this verse has hit me fresh in a way that I've read it, I don't know how many times, but it's hit me in a way that I've never realized before. Right away it says, it tells us, first of all, interesting part, it tells us that there is a reward for practicing our righteousness. And this is a really good deal because already God has saved, God has offered us salvation through faith that we can't possibly earn. But then he also rewards us for the good, for practicing righteousness and doing good works that he already prepared for us to do. So we get a really good deal out of this. But it comes with a warning. It comes with this warning that, hey, if you do this in front of others to be seen by them, you're going to lose your reward from your Father in heaven. And this is where the title of this message comes from, the Christian's account. There is an account that we have to give to God when we die, even as Christians. Even though we're saved, 
it matters what we do. And we have a choice. We can get a reward now, and it's a pretty shallow one. Other people seeing us, we'll feel good about ourselves, but it's really just other people seeing us. Or we get a much better reward later. It's kind of like... um, it's kind of like the lottery. You can get that lump sum or you can get that payment later on that's a lot bigger. It's kind of like that. You can get something little. You, and this is, and we have to make a choice of how we're going to handle our Christian account that we give before God and that are, are we content with getting our reward in full right now from other people or are we want to get that reward from our Heavenly Father? And Jesus, he doesn't just mention this in one passing verse. He takes a while and breaks this down and I want to do that too because I've, I'm told in this verse, hey, I get a reward from my Father in heaven from practicing righteousness, but he gives me this warning that if I don't do it right, I'm going to forfeit that reward. I want to know more. So let's continue on in verse 2. So when you give to the needy, and I'm going to point out here, every few verses he kind of changes, he gives you a, a, another subject that falls under the heading of practicing your righteousness. Give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast. Those are the things he starts to talk about. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Okay, so there's a reward for giving to the needy, but what's going on with these guys? They're doing, they're making a big show of it. They want to see by, be seen by other people. And what happens? They've got their reward in full. Doesn't count anything towards God. God, God's not impressed. He's like, you, you did that so people would see you, think well of you, and you feel good about yourself, and that's all you get. Nothing from me. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So there's the reward. That's the one we want. This is Jesus is saying, hey, this is the part you want. This is the do this part. Continues on in verse 5. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... When he says, but when you, he keeps saying that again and again. But when you, he's talking about those people who follow him. He says, hey, if you're a follower of Christ, this is what you should be doing. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I'm going to actually skip down to verse 16 where he talks about fasting. In the middle there, he gives us the Lord's Prayer, gives us an example of praying. But he's, he's breaking down and elaborating this concept of you need to do things differently than the example you've been seeing. And I would say a lot of us, especially if you've grown up in church, you've been in church even a little while, you, you've probably heard this before and you would go, I would never announce my giving to others with trumpets. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand on the street corner and, and yell and pray. But you know, I, I've grown up in church. I have, I know plenty of times and plenty of examples. I've heard people say, I'm not going to do that, that work in the church because I didn't get to do, I didn't get to be on stage. 
I didn't get to do this. I didn't get, I didn't get to do things where people are seeing me. I'm not going to do those behind the scenes things. I only want to do stuff that's where people see me. See, I've seen that my whole life. Very in, in, in good quality churches and in believers who probably should have known better. I want to make sure this is relatable to us. This is, you know, we may not relate culturally to announcing with trumpets or something like that. We, we're still guilty of this. It's so easy to do this. It's so easy to say, you know, I, you know, if I can't do the, the job I want it to do or be up on stage or nobody's going to notice me doing this, we think it in our heads. If I don't get, you know, if I don't get credit for what I've done in the church, why am I doing it? And the reason you, we should be doing it is, Credit from God is God seeing it. God saying, I'll reward you. Don't worry about what whether people see you or not. In verse 16, he continues, When you fast, do not look sober. Do not look sorry, somber. You should you should be sober. <laughs> do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now imagine this for a second. You're going through fasting. You're, going, you're, you're doing things that we know we're supposed to do. We're fasting, we're praying, we're giving to the needy and getting nothing for it because you're only doing it because for other people to see you. Getting nothing from God for it. Verse 17, But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Then we go into verse 19, and can I admit something to you? I, I have so often treated this next section as if it's somehow some sort of separate section. And yet, Jesus is still having the same conversation. He didn't pause and say, let's insert a verse break right here. I'm going to totally change my, my subject. He's, this is a, he's giving a discourse, and this is the same, same conversation. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy Thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Moth and vermin do not destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I've quoted that I don't know how many times. And it's a nice quote, right? You just take that, that little section there and you quote that, and it's a very Christian thing to do. Makes a, make a nice t-shirt, bumper sticker, you know, bookmark in your Bible, you know, whatever, yeah. You put that in context, and it's like, wait a second. He's talking about my heart. If my heart is, I want people to think about me a certain way, and that's why I'm doing things, then my treasure is here on earth, and it can be taken away from me. It's a good general concept by itself, but when you start putting it in context with these other verses, wait a minute, if I'm not... In order to build up treasure in heaven, I need to be doing things for the Lord, not worried about what people think about me. That's, hey, I'll be honest, yeah, I'm, I'm preaching this message, but I'm, I feel like this has been preached to me in the past couple of weeks, too. I, I need this reminder, and I think, and I believe that God's giving it for a reminder for this body, those here, those watching online. Yeah, I know this, this seems like such a basic Christian concept, but we need to, we need to remember this. It's so easy to get like, well, I don't want to do anything in the church because I don't get to do stuff that people see, and that's not what it's about. It's not about getting credit from people. 
You need to do those things that are unseen, then God will reward you. You need to believe that God will actually honor his word and reward your faithfulness, not worry about what people are saying or doing. We do have an account with God. He will actually reward our faithfulness, but we can forfeit that if we're just after feeling, uh, getting other people to make us feel good. And I want to move on to 1 Corinthians. And I was like, okay, it, it, I know several of you have pre- prepared sermons yourselves, and you know what this is like. You, that process of you know what you're supposed to say, and you're trying to, you're, it's unfolding. It's like it's being revealed to you. you know, like it's, it's building. That sermon is building. You're going, how do, I, how do I bridge this next gap? And then God gives you something, and it kind of blows you away. It's exactly what happened with 1 Corinthians chapter 3. What happens if we have done things for the Lord, but we don't get any reward for it? What does that look like? And yes, I can base that on Matthew 6. Is there something else I can base that on? And there's some, is, does the Scripture give us another illustration of it? And absolutely it does. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to give you context before I jump in it. Context is so important in looking at Scripture. So Paul starts off with... He's correcting the Corinthians. He's like, okay, look, guys. And this is, this is the Jason paraphrase here. Okay. Some of you are saying, he's like, you guys are being petty. Some of you are saying you follow Peter, and some of you follow Apollos, and some of you follow Paul, and like, this is ridiculous. You need to understand each one of us are doing our own jobs, and you should all be following God, and we're each doing our little parts to help grow the body. And you can't, you can't be splitting up the church based on I follow this person or that person. He's telling them to, to, to stop doing that. So he starts off in verse 5. What, after all, is Apollos? Now, if you're not familiar with Apollos, he was a really skilled, he was a very scholarly, very uh, an excellent orator and debater, and people are very impressed with him. Some people are, hey, I'm following him. And some, no, I want to stay with Paul, and some, you know, this and that. So Paul says, hey, wh- what, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. That sounds a lot like God's prepared works. Sounds like Ephesians, where God's prepared works for us to do in advance. God's assigned these people their task. Verse 6, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they each will be, what? Rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So he's using these analogies of building a structure or growing a crop in a field, things that they, especially they would have related to back then, saying, hey, this is what it's like to build up the church. Doing ministry in the church, it's like building a building. It's like growing a crop. And we're each doing our jobs, and God's going to reward us according to our labor. Verse 10, By the grace God's given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Someone else is building on it. Each one should build with care. There's another warning attached to it. We just talked about reward, and now there's another warning attached to this reward. Seems to be a pattern. 
Verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. In verse 12, really want to highlight, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. When he says the day, he's talking about the day of the Lord. There's a time where we're all, where we're before the Lord and what we've done is going to be shown. Now this makes it kind of easy on me. Pastor Chad's already been teaching a, a series on, on everything from the rapture, the tribulation, what's, and what's coming ahead. So I don't feel like I have to lay a whole lot of groundwork there. Just the understanding there is a point where we stand before the Lord and, and our work's going to be judged. And if we're the kind of believer who's been saying, no, I'm just saved and everybody gets the same reward, we're going to be in a real big surprise when we get there and he's going, okay, it's time to test your work. It's time to check what you've done. Their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. For what has been built If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Okay, we're back to reward again. But if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Now I gotta, I gotta talk about that for a while. So, the work we've done. The work we've done for the Lord is like building a building. Have we used good materials or bad materials? I want to suggest if we've, based on what Matthew already told us, that if we have been doing things, doing work for other people to see, we're worried about what other people think of, of us, we have depleted the value out of those materials. And we might be doing a lot of work in the church, but there might not be any value to it. We might be building a building out of hay and straw. That might be our work for the Lord. We get to heaven and he says, okay, time to test it with fire. And like, wait a minute, these are flammable materials. I built this with cheap things. I just kind of, you know, there's no value left in it because I I I already got all the value out of it from people seeing me and me feeling good about myself. So now all that was left was a bunch of straw and it burns up. Yet the person is saved. That's a key. I got to... As someone in the past who has struggled with condemnation, questioning their own salvation, I I really have to hammer that point home. Because, yes, this person is saved. This person is a Christian. Your salvation, you you have faith in Christ, your salvation is secure. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. A wonderful hope to just hang on to. Yeah, your salvation is secure. What I want to warn you today about, though, is that it still matters what you do with your life. And you can try to build a life that's comfortable for yourself and feel, feels good for yourself and then end up empty-handed in heaven. Hey, it's great to be in heaven, but you're empty-handed. And I want to tell you, as someone who has run out of a burning building, uh, 2016, Tracy and I, uh, our apartment building caught on fire. 5.30 a.m., a fireman's beating on our door. And we're running out of our building with just whatever we could grab and close and throw on. Run out the building, you turn around, there's 10 foot flames coming out of the roof. And you realize, all I have is the clothes I just threw on. And all the belongings, and 
yeah, we know belongings, oh yeah, just temporary. We humans have a tendency to tell our life story by our belongings and what's in our homes. It's just that's what we do. And when you realize that that's gone, and all that you have is like, okay, that's a, that's a that's a not a nice feeling. I've, I've I've felt that. It's really not a nice feeling. I know Tracy relates to that as well. A lot of furniture we had had we had belongings in there that were handed down from her grandparents and furniture that she had grown up with her whole life, and it's destroyed. And you find out real quick what you've done with your life. If your life is wrapped up in in belongings, easy come, easy go. I had the experience as a child of having a home having a home flooded in the 1997 flood, um, and lo- losing a bunch of that twice in my life. I've had most of the stuff I was familiar with destroyed by some sort of natural disaster. You you, you learn to kind of not you know try not to get too attached to things. They they are easily destroyed. You kind of find out, hey, I better do stuff with my life that that actually matters because these temporary things can be easily consumed. And now we know from Scripture, that's the kind of analogy he gives of what we've done with our lives as Christians is going to be tested before God. Not to determine our salvation, that's already secure, but to determine our reward. And if everything we've done for the Lord has just been for show, it's he's going to know. Everybody's going to know. It's going to be revealed. And as as bad as it felt to stand in a apartment building parking lot with just the clothes I had grabbed and watching the building burn and the fire department fighting it, doing the best they can, but already pretty well engaged, upper floors were. That was a lousy feeling. It's got to be so much worse. That's nothing compared to standing in heaven and and realize you're empty-handed. I have to imagine it would be many magnitudes worse to be before God and say, yeah, now, was I thankful that I escaped with my life? Oh, yeah. Happy my wife and I got out safe. Everybody got out of that building safely. Thankfully, no serious injuries, no deaths. Wonderful. That was great. It still stunk to stand there and be like, what am I going to, you know, my stuff's gone. My belongings are gone. My bed, you know, know, those kinds of things. Standing before God empty-handed. Oh, ooh, I don't like that thought of that at all. So I want to invite us today to think about this, ponder this. What we, I'm pondering this question myself. What, what have I done with my life? Have I built a comfortable existence right now? Am I going to show up empty-handed before God? Or we may have to, when we're doing, we may have to do some work now that might be uncomfortable so that we have comfort later in heaven. Now, I, I'm going to go ahead and invite up the worship team, let them get, get set. But I want to go through here the practical applications, the challenge, the part that we, okay, what are we going to do with this? God's given us a warning, what are we going to do about it? In Revelation chapter 2, now, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, Jesus gives these letters to the churches, the seven churches. And he, in each one, he gives them warnings, and he says good things, bad things, he gives them warnings, and he gives them a promise, and those promises are amazing. If you endure to the end, you will get, he talks about getting a new name, getting a, 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 a 
sitting on the throne with him and ruling and reigning and all these amazing, astonishing promises for us as Christians. I want to focus, this one jumped out at me, Revelation chapter 2, 26. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. We have an amazing destiny that's worth working towards. And we don't want to mess that up. We don't want to miss out by just, well, I had, I had a, uh, I got to do stuff in front of people and they, they, and I got to look good. Can, can you imagine? I mean, I'm, we're really saying, can you, um, someone spending their entire career in the ministry and ending up empty handed. That's a possibility. Somebody could, somebody could do full time ministry their whole life and show up to heaven and it all get burned up because it was all done with the wrong motives. That is, is that eye opening to anybody else to I me? Mean, that kind of, kind of knocks you back a little bit there. I don't, I, we don't want to be that guy. We don't want to be that person. We want to, we want to walk in and, and be surprised about the, how, how generous God is in His reward to us. Like, look, we were just doing this for you. We're doing this out of love. We wanted to reach people for you. We wanted to minister. And you're giving us these amazing rewards. Wow. That's what we, that's, that's the, that's the place to be. That's the way to walk in to heaven is be blown away by his grace and his mercy, his generosity, and not find out that, wow, we, we wasted our lives. Even though we were saved, you could still waste your life. That's a, that's a amazing thing to think about in and of itself. So here's, so here's the question to ponder. What are we doing with our lives? Are we investing in our account in the future, or are we trying to get everything we can right now, all of our joy and pleasure right now. I want to remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 14 and 15. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. That's where we want to be. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. I want to go ahead and I want to go ahead and pray over this because I really want the Lord to bring this home. Uh, it, I could say all the words I could even think of, but it really, when it comes down to the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, I, I can't do anything anything to substitute that. Lord, thank you so much for this word that you've been you've been working on me, and I know you wanted me to share it today. Lord, I pray it has its full impact on everybody here, everybody watching, people watching later on, uh, whenever they're seeing this, Lord. The Lord, it has its full weight, its full impact. Lord, we don't want to waste our lives. We already have the amazing, those of us who know you, we have this amazing hope and promise. We are saved and we have our secure hope in you. Yet you still warn us that we could, we could waste our lives and end up with nothing to show for it. We don't want to be that, Lord. We want to work and invest in the eternal future and do ministry for you that is built of good materials and had good results, Lord, a good harvest. Lord, we pray that you have that effect on us today, Lord, and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Well, thank you. But I, I want to uh, emphasize 
couple things. First of all, if if you, anyone here, anybody watching online, if you don't know that security, that salvation, you need to get that sorted today. And if you're watching online, reach out to us. Try, message us, reach out, uh, find our contact information. We'd be happy to to minister with to help you know the Lord and minister to you. If you're here, you need someone to pray with you about anything, this message, anything else. We are a praying church. Love to pray for you. If you need to talk to somebody afterwards, myself, Pastor Chad, whoever you need to talk to afterwards, we'll do that. We really want to do quality ministry and really want to meet the spiritual needs that are here in our body. We'd be happy to pray with you. Salvation is God's free gift. He has already paid for it and offers it to us. Let's not pass that up. If this message has spoken to you and you need some time here at the altar, at your seats, whatever, we'll have some worship going, watch it online. Again, if you need to reach out to, to us, reach out to us. We would be happy to minister to you. And let, let's take some time to worship. Let's take some time to seek the Lord. gifts because that shows you where your heart is in your ministry, the ministry you're doing. Because when you when you continue even when it's embarrassing or when you continue even when there's been something hasn't gone right, you're doing that for the Lord. You're not doing that for for other people looking at you. You're endure, you're enduring that for the Lord. And I was thinking this morning, you know, at some point in doing ministry if you're not embarrassed or, or I, I'm not sure if you're doing it right. If you're doing it, if you're doing ministry right, at some point you should be like, how did I get in this mess? You're relying on, because the Lord's got you past your comfort zone. And it's not about what you're getting out of it. It's about you're investing in, the, in your eternity. Let's close in a word of prayer. I appreciate you guys coming out. I, it's, it's messy weather out there, but, we, but we're here. We're here and we're open and we're, we're in the presence of the Lord and... Uh, we're able to broadcast and have people join us online. That's an amazing thing. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for each and every person who came out this morning and keep them safe. Lord, out on the roads. Lord, continue to teach us how to do ministry. Get us out of our comfort zone. Get us beyond people complimenting us or thinking highly of us. Get us past all of that, that we show up in heaven with something that, that pleases you work that you've actually done through us you've already you've done the work lord but that we've been faithful in our labors and we're able to present something to you that's pleasing to you what a wonderful privilege lord continue to teach us to do that continue to work on our hearts lord and pray lord your blessing over everyone here in jesus name amen